hey everybody uh kevin and kyle again and how, how you be, doing how to be a texan i'm doing fantastic how you doing doing good yeah. how y'all doing out there in internet land <laughs> is that what we call it i gotta get on that internet i'm late on everything i don't know podcast land i don't call it anything <laughs> maybe it should i just call it friends listening amongst friends Maybe at some point this podcast will expand beyond just our circle of friends. It's going to go viral. But uh, maybe it will be a virus. Four of my buddies listening right now, and <laughs> they get a big chuckle out of it, and that's all I really care about. Same so. here. Okay, so it's to, good to be here. It's oh. good to have Andrew here in the control room with us. Oh, I, I shot right past the, the chit chat. It's going to jump right into it, I guess. Any more chit chat? You're intense, man. Yeah. No, I'm good. Got it all in. out of my system. Right. How you doing, Andrew? Yep. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yep. How you doing? Yep. Yep. All right. Hey, today uh, we're going to keep going on our Texas Legends uh, theme. And um, I'm hodgepodging several things, and so I want to bring this to you. Um, and it's a theory, Kevin, that I have that based on it's not really a theory; it's 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 history in action. And then I see it even today as I watch my daughter ride, and she rides competitively in this thing called barrel racing. And it's the craziest thing ever. You're riding a horse as fast as you can, and you're going in a cloverleaf pattern around three barrels. And it's you versus the clock. You, your horse versus the clock. And it's amazing to see the horsemanship skills uh, with these barrel racers. Hmm. So what you're going to think, that's a long stretch to get to where I'm going. But let me tell you. So Texas legends, there's a couple of them that I want to bring up today. One is the Comanche people. And two is the Texas Rangers. Hmm. And, um, and, and I'm going to tie all the way back to Genghis Khan. And you, you're going to think I'm a nut here. That's serious. AD, you didn't have your ADD medicine. No, morning, not at all. I am so <laughs> all over the place. But, but as you know, I, I like to read. And I like to read history. Um, and, and frankly, I like to read biographies about great historians. Mm-hmm. And a long time ago, I read this book around Genghis Khan just because I thought, my gosh, that's a fascinating character that I know nothing about. So if you think about the life of Genghis Khan, he had um, the world's largest empire. Most people don't recognize this, but uh, he created a common currency system. He created uh, a common postal system across the vast empire that he had. But how did he get that empire? And, and that's the, the, the theory that I want to throw out to you, Kevin. And so the, the way Genghis Khan uh, created such a vast empire was because of their horse warrior um, culture. Well, you know he's famous because he's got a whole chain of restaurants named after him now. Genghis Grill? <laughs> it is. You ever been to Genghis Grill? It's not why he's famous. <laughs> I, yeah. No, not, that's not why he's famous, but that's how you know when you're legit. When you get a you get a restaurant, when you get a fast food chain in America named after you, uh, you're, crap you're pretty much legit. <laughs> restaurant, I'm in. I've never Genghis Grill. I've never gone there. Not you ought to. I'm, I think you got to kill the food yourself and then throw no, it on open fire. Horse meat? No, I'm no, not, not a horse meat. I'm not going. Hey, they used to eat that, and they used to eat uh, Genghis Khan. You wouldn't believe it's fermented horse milk was their 
uh, drink of choice. What's wrong with those people? I'm telling you, it was an acquired taste, <laughs> by what I understand. <laughs> Fermented horse milk. I'm not kidding. That's so, bizarre. So anyway, they were horse warriors. <laughs> and so the first, um, and I don't know if it was necessarily the first cavalry people, but they uh, created fear in their enemies by speed. And so they would take over you know, one province or one tribe after the other and just continue to grow their empire based on this cavalry culture. And it was, a, it was all speed-based. And so it was men uh, that had to be exceptional horsemen with the exceptional use of weapons on the back of a horse. Did they ride bareback? I don't know the answer to that. I remember there was a uh, the book that I read, and it was called Genghis Khan and the Making of the Modern World. Mm-hmm. And it attributed a lot of today's current cultural attributes back all the way to a barbarian. Mm-hmm. And and because he, he created this currency, he created the, the first postal system, uh, really the first Pony Express. Um, and so he did some some pretty amazing things. But what ties it to Texas is this horse warrior culture that Genghis Khan had. Well, one quick thought. The reason I ask about the bareback thing is the Roman soldiers would actually ride their horses bareback mm. because they felt that there was more of a connection with... I don't know, yeah. And when they would go into battle, they they didn't want to saddle in between them. They, they literally rode bareback. And there's something to it. I, I'm sure I know Carolyn can ride bareback oh, you know, she any does. day. That's why she teaches her <clears throat> students. She taught my girls um, or helped them ride bareback, and they just love it yeah. for whatever reason. And I've never done it. I, it I'm it, not. It makes me so nervous. I'm not good enough to do so, it. But so, so Caroline teaches all these eight and ten year olds how to ride. Now you know she's 17 and has been riding since she was four, and she teaches them bareback. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it makes me so nervous because I see these little girls, little boys out, and they're riding in my arena, and I'm like, it just frightens me to death because I'm like, you are going to fall off. Mm-hmm. You got you got no horn to hang on to, so you're going to fall off. But but Caroline is dead set on it. She's like, Dad, it teaches them balance. It is the best thing for balance you can yeah. possibly do. Yeah, it teaches you really, like you said, how mm-hmm. to connect, mm-hmm. really connect with the horse mm-hmm. and feel the movement of the horse and then come into that rhythm with the horse. Mm-hmm. Sounds crazy, but it's I, I believe it. And I've mm-hmm. watched it, and I'm now seeing these pupils of her, hers uh, really uh, continue to progress. The thing is, you know, how old are her students? They're eight, nine, eight, ten, nine. Eight, nine. She's got a 14-year-old. You fall off when you're eight, it's not that big of a deal. You fall off when you're 48, like us. When you're 50. <laughs> it's a little more painful. I don't, I don't bounce as well. <laughs> I got a few stories about falling off of horses that we can. I bet you do. <laughs> I've had a time or two. So, okay, so so bringing that random example of Genghis Khan and the horse warriors to present day, I want to talk about our two Texas legends that that I want to bring up today, and and one is is the Comanche Indians, and two is the Texas Rangers, and I consider both of them um, horse warriors. And, and, you know, when you, you think about the Texas Rangers, and I'm not talking about the baseball town, I'm talking about the Cowboys that, um, you know, originated in Texas. Yep. And um, still know, around today. They're still around today. They're basically the FBI of the state of Texas. Right. All right. Yep. Do you know there was a Texas Ranger that got Bonnie and Clyde? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. My buddy, Dr. Middlebrook, just told me about that this morning. You know, they supposedly hung out here in Argyle for a while. Hmm. Do you know that? No. 
Bonnie and Clyde? That building, yes. That building, um, I think it's now a, a real uh, real estate. That old, the oldest building in Argyle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. yeah. That used to be a bank. Bonnie and Clyde robbed that bank. They robbed that bank, and then they they hung out. This is the legend. It's pretty much well confirmed that they robbed that bank. But the legend is then they hung out in, uh, there's some old houses across the railroad tracks there on the other side. They camped out there for a while, oh, and then they kind of moved on. Huh. So, yeah, there's a connection between Argyle and Bonnie and Clyde, for sure. Well, there you go. Okay, well, I... I, a yeah, little I, off topic. I didn't mean to get in because I don't know squat about Bonnie and Clyde. <laughs> so, we'll cover that. On, other on than the now, a Texas Ranger ended up getting them. Yeah. So uh, the Texas Rangers ended up starting out to chase the Comanches because back in the day, the Comanches roamed all through kind of the Texas and the Midwest. You know, they well, had, that was their home. They had a migratory plan, a pattern that um, they were they were nomadic, mm-hmm. and they followed the buffalo. You know, like many of the tribes did, um, and so they would they would roam all through um, all the way down to South Texas. But uh, they had a, they were a horse people, and so the amazing thing about uh, now, when did horses uh, arrive here with the Spanish? With the Spanish, mm-hmm. right? So before that, they were just nomadic people. Yeah, they were just walking around, and but then yeah. when the Spanish brought the horses, they quickly mastered the. They, the horse. They mastered it better than anybody. Better than anybody, yeah. In, in, in an amazing s- skills. So there's another book uh, that I read called Empire of the Summer Moon, and I'd, I'd recommend this. This talks about uh, the Comanche people and specifically their horse skills. And so how they developed those where they got one or two or a small herd of horses and they just experimented around with it and failed but then kept going. And then they ultimately mastered being horse, um, their horsemanship skills, so much so that um, as a young man, as you became an eight or nine-year-old, you were required, kind of your test, your passage of manhood had to be that you had to be a master horseman. And so much so that uh, you would have to ride and go through these skills tests where, you know, these rings would be set out and you had to do certain things of shoot your, your bow and arrow through rings. You had to be able to pick up, you know, another eight or 10 year old on a full gallop. You had to be able to lean over and pick that person up and put it on horseback. You had to be able to shoot underneath the neck of a horse at a full gallop with your bow. I mean, can you imagine that? And this was bareback. These were the Comanche rode bareback. Oh, yeah. I mean, they may have had a blanket, but uh, it was generally bareback. Mm -hmm. But can you imagine riding at a full gallop uh, and then shooting your bow under the neck, because leaning over and shooting your bow under the neck of a horse opposite? Yeah, I do that. I do that all the time. No. I, I would I would pay money. To I would see be that. I would be eating dirt. Yeah. So <laughs> real quick. The the interesting thing about the Comanche, they were fierce, and so during the late eighteen hundreds, we had such well, actually, all through the eighteen hundreds, we had all the frontier kind of eking out from east to west, and they were a, a fierce people to the fellow Indians because long before we got here, um, the American settlers came, there was always warring between the tribes, mm-hmm. you know, across Texas and the Midwest. And the Comanches became a dominant tribe 
once they became these horse warriors. Mm-hmm. When they developed these skills uh, of, of the ability to, you know, and, and think about a horse can go 45 miles an hour. Uh, a man can it's run amazing. less than half that at best at, 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 a, at a sprint and for very, very short distances. But a horse can go 45 miles an hour for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And so at that speed and with the precision of the bow and arrows that the Comanches had at that time, they were a dominant, uh, ferocious force that could overtake any, mm-hmm. you know, any uh, competing tribe that was more agrarian, you know, because there were a lot of tribes in Texas that were, they were growing things, and that's how they were surviving, and they didn't, didn't necessarily follow the buffalo herd. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a distant cousin that was a Comanche. Well, I Chief. Wish, I wished we had any in me, and, you know, you get You ever heard of a guy named Quana Parker? Oh my gosh! Yes, I read an, I read a book about the Parkers. Yeah, yeah, my, no, that's a fascinating story. I mentioned uh, Granny Holder on a episode or two ago. Yeah, uh, well, she's from the Parker kind of family tree. So, so, so Cynthia Ann Parker, yeah, was related to my grandmother. It's actually a pretty tragic story because she was kidnapped. She was kidnapped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. she so, was. There were some bad, bad, bad stories mm-hmm. about that time around women and young girls in particular Mm -hmm. that were kidnapped by whether it was the Comanche or the Kiowa or the Mm -hmm. Apaches um, and generally integrated into the tribe uh, and against their will. Mm -hmm. So thus came uh, an opposing force. So when you have a force, um, you know, like the Comanches or the Apaches, uh, and, and the Apaches came on after the Comanches, and they developed their horsemanship skills, but not nearly to the level that the Comanches did. The Comanches demanded that super high level of perfection as a horseman of their, their young, women and men. And they were amazing, you know, horse people, no matter what. The Apaches really saw the success of the Comanches, and then they continued to to build up their horse skills. But now, where were the close. Apaches at? Here they in were Texas? they were further west. I mean, they integrated. They integrated, but you know, not great. They were further west, all through New Mexico and Colorado. Uh, they tended to be on the the western edge of where the Comanche territory typically was. So they were still. Now, what about DFW here, where we're at now? Was that Comanche territory? Oh, no, we had Comanches through here, but that's there was the Wichita Indians throughout here too. Well, we right? had a bunch of tribes. Mm-hmm. You know, you had the you had you had a bunch of, but the, wherever the Comanches nomadically went to, they always dominated. Mm-hmm. So anybody that was around, they got out of the way quick, or they were dead. Gotcha, because that's how dominant they were. Hmm. And that was before Quana. That was mm-hmm. as you know before you know he he kind of started. The, that's when the kind of the frontier started kicking in. So then the next group of horse warriors rose to kind of meet the Comanches where they were, and the nobody could. Well, the problem was is they sent the U.S. cavalry in, and so we had the U.S. cavalry. This is this was the. Bunch of Yankees down here trying to do stuff in Texas. Right, and they had... That was destined for failure. Well, I don't know about that. But regardless, (laughs) their tactics were were poor. Yeah. Because they had very traditional approaches of let's ride in columns and we'll find the enemy eventually and we'll send an Indian scout out to try to find them. And they, they failed. You know, they had some success, but generally they didn't have... 
the kind of the the nimbleness that the Comanches did because they would see a big force coming and they'd take off. I mean, they were very crafty that way. So up came a group of real scrappy, um, you know, not necessarily thought of all that great, but it was some younger cowboys that were hired basically as bounty hunters out of Austin. Um, and the governor at the time, he didn't have much money, but he hired just some ragtag 20-year-olds and said, look, I'll pay you if you can do some protection of this very ragtag frontier and then try your best to go and recover some of these kidnapped men, uh, women. So they had identified an issue on the frontier. Yes. And that women were being kidnapped yes. along the lines of the Cynthia Ann Parker story. Right. That's right. So that That's was right. that was a, a major problem. Yeah, and so the, again, and so the governor of Texas said, "These guys from the U.S. Cavalry aren't cutting it. They're they're not Let's send some it. of our boys out and see what we can do." That's right. Is and that this, basically what it was? That, that's right. And this was a time when the Colt revolver came out too, and so there was great success with the six shooter, um, and it was even in its infancy. Uh, and this is in the mid eighteen hundreds, mid to late eighteen hundreds. And when the Colt Revolver came in, and so you had these kind of young, scrappy men that were hired by the governor of Texas in this kind of ragtag group, and you had literally a line going from kind of the northeast Texas up around like Jefferson, Texas, through um, down to like San Antonio. So it was a line. You ever been to Jefferson? I have. Oh, I love that place. Yeah, I was just telling a buddy of mine about we that. We stayed at the, I think it's called the, is it the Captain? Captain? No, it's not the Captain's House, is it? What's the famous hotel there? The Taunted? Yeah. Yeah, no, I just told I just told the story the other day. Kenner and I did a weekend trip out there we to did. the Haunted Hotel. Well, we did too. Amy yeah. and I did too, Before even before Caroline came. Yeah. I mean, this was like a year after we got married. We went out yep. there and spent a weekend at the Jefferson Hotel. I got to find the name of that place. So they said, hey, if you, if you guys choose to stay in this room... Uh, and the, remember, the train doesn't go through Jefferson. Never has. You know, it, they wanted it. They kind of like vied for it, just like Dallas is vying for Amazon right now. But they vied for it, and they didn't get it. It went. Mm-hmm. A, they chose a different path, and it crushed them. So the train never went through there. But they said, if you stay in this room somewhere around 2 o'clock in the morning, you might hear a train come through. They planted that in your mind. Maybe. They planted that. I'm pretty... I'm a pretty pliable mind. <laughs> so whatever happens. So anyway, they put Amy, you know, Amy and I sleep in this bed. It's, you know, big as a, you know, a house. And because, uh, you know, we, we just like our space and I t- don't touch me. And I said that kind of a thing. But anyways, they put us in this bed that was like a twin bed. And it had this, you know, we just kind of were, were on top of each other in this, you know, very terrible bed. Oh, my gosh. Amy, I know Amy. Yeah. That was miserable for It her. didn't work. But somehow she was asleep. I don't know how. So I'm, I don't know how she was asleep. She was asleep and you were wide-eyed waiting for the ghost to so, show up. Well, no. So I, I thought I was wide-eyed, <laughs> but at 2 o'clock in the morning on that night, I'm telling you, I heard it, and it was the loudest thing I've ever heard in my life. It was a train sound that was coming. It felt like it was coming right. Are you right sure next there's not just a train track out there? I'm telling you, I'm telling you. You look it up about how many train sounds at <laughs> 2 a.m. I think there's a train that goes through well, there. No, I woke her up. I woke her up. I'm like, hey, did you? Did she you? didn't hear a thing? Did oh she? no, and she's a light sleeper. She would have woken up. I'm telling you, there's something. 
something not right. And then they put us in another room the next night, and I didn't have that same kind of. They're like, oh, that this apparition will appear in the corner or whatever. And that didn't you went, you didn't hear the train at two a.m. though. No. No, no, nor did I see this little apparition in the corner of this other room. What was that supposed to be? It was supposed to be some little haunted person or Casper the Friendly Ghost or something. (laughs) I didn't see that. I didn't see that one. So Jefferson the Friendly Ghost. (laughs) Well, so anyway, you had this line of of the frontier back then, and so you had this series of forts and missions that went up and down this line, and really people stayed behind that line to the east you know, of the frontier. And so the governor hired these ragtag guys and they had these Colt revolvers and they were just happened to be good horsemen. And they hunted in these, um, kind of scrappy ways, kind of almost nomadic ways where they would just go and they would hunt for groups of Indians that were bad, uh, in their perception or who had been kidnappers. And they would go and engage them on a full gallop you know, as opposed to these traditional cavalry, you know, you position your, your group. So and, what percentage do you think of Indians were really bad versus just kind of they had a bad rap going on? Oh, no. No, I don't I don't think they were bad. I you think don't? that was their lifestyle. I think there were certainly bad chiefs that had, you know, that were power-hungry and bloodthirsty. I, I know that was certainly the case. But you look at the lifestyle of these people, and they were absolutely great family uh, members. They they loved their family. They had, um, you know, and and so their value system was was very good and legitimate. But they had a nomadic lifestyle. It was very simplistic. Like I'm just, you know, I need to be able to feed my family and keep them warm and safe and predator free. And so it was much more simplistic and survival oriented. Yeah. And that was it. But they had a great sense of community. They had a great faith uh, system uh, of of beliefs. It was certainly different than what we have. But um, no, these were not bad, bad people. It was just a very fundamentally different lifestyle than what the American frontier and the hopes and dreams of the Americans moving out that way had, Mm -hmm. you know. Because we wanted, at that time, we wanted to move out. We saw the opportunity for all this amazing land, and we wanted to, you know, raise cattle and and farm and, you know, grow cotton and whatever. You know, we wanted all that land, and we got it eventually. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't easy. And and so you had to go through, you had to create a, a group of horse warriors to take on a group of horse warriors, and that's exactly what the Texas Rangers became. Hmm. Because it was an ultimate failure for the U.S. Cavalry to come in because they could not have. And, th- and they ended up hiring the Texas Rangers to teach them those crafty skills of horsemanship, the ability to ride into and engage, you know, with Colts and ultimately repeating um, rifles. Um, and, and so that's how the Texas Rangers formed and then really kind of grew to their own you know, legend of what they are today mm-hmm. because they, and, and, and they were survivors too. Now these, you know, some of the, the young Texas Rangers, these were, you know, slippery characters, you know, they, they'd get, you know, drunk and all this other stuff. So they, these were great. Some of them were great, but some of them weren't great. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but they, they learned how to, to fight as horse warriors, and they ended up making a huge impact on the frontier, which allowed 
um, much bigger forces behind it, you know, security police forces behind it in the big cities. And then that form, you know, that formed up uh, kind of a safe haven so that the Indian raids going into to kidnap into the Wacos and places like that were less and less likely to happen because you had bigger police forces that could safeguard that. Mm -hmm. And and then the Comanches in particular, they knew that the Texas Rangers would go and literally pursue and hunt them down. And that's what they ended up doing. Mm -hmm. So what's the common thread across all this? You started with Genghis Khan, and then we went to Comanches and Apaches and Texas Rangers, and then we weaved in a few stories about... Yeah, your daughter and my daughter along the way. I mean, what? Yeah. So, what's to the me, common thread across all this stuff? T- to me, it's an appreciation for amazing horsemanship skills. Uh, that's the that's the first and foremost thing. It's it's the connection between um, human and horse that truly is a, an amazing thing that that we've developed over time. And now I do. I see that with Caroline because now you know. Back in the day, I, when she was young and starting out, I I was the fearful dad, and I'd be like, "Oh, please just don't fall and break your neck." But now, I mean, we're going to a two day rodeo this weekend, and um, she is her horsemanship skills are so complete that she has such incredible confidence at high speeds. And so I, I just have that appreciation that now instead of me being fearful for her, I look and I'm like, hey, honey, you need to you need to cut a half second off that because, you know, mm-hmm. I think you and Scout can cut that corner a little tighter. Well, and the thing about Caroline is her her skills are not forced, right? She is a natural, and she has always taken it at her own pace. She, that's right. You know, when, that's right. when she was younger, she had some fear, but – it was probably well-placed at the time. You know what I mean? She didn't like to go fast when I, you know, I remember when she would not go fast to save her life. That's right. But now looking back on it, she was probably the wiser than you and I who were out there saying, go a little bit faster. That's right. That's right. (laughs) You know what I mean? I mean, she knew knew what she was doing. She knows her horse. That's right. Yeah, yeah, she's no daredevil. And and I agree. I think now watching the past however many years of that, it's, it's been... A fun evolution to see, mm-hmm. and now she has I, a gift for sure. Yeah, and I, I appreciate that. And I go out and I see these young men and these young women doing rodeos every week, every weekend. And and again, I just have that appreciation for that bond between kind of man and horse. It is it is really a beautiful thing. I know you get into the psychology of it, and I've seen people that don't have great public speaking skills, or they don't have great confidence in front of crowds. But then you put them on a horseback, and they have that ability to make that connection with this 1,200, 1,400-pound, very powerful animal. And they have command over that animal because they, they are master over that animal, and that animal has succumbed and given that, that to the rider. Um, it, it, it is a thing that gives a person such self-confidence that I just think it's invaluable. So... I, I have an appreciation for that. So mm-hmm. that bottom line is I, I love reading about, even though, yes, Genghis Khan and his people were, you know, could, were considered barbarians. Um, they were phenomenal horse people. Then you move all the way to the, um, to the Comanches, and they were the epitome of horse warriors. And, and then you, you have the, 
the just the necessity of us having to counter um, horse warrior with horse warrior, and then up comes the Texas Rangers, and then they still have their amazing legend even through today. Mm-hmm. So. Well, and all the great militaries throughout history were horse people. Right. I mean, other than in modern times or we have, you know, tanks or whatever. But, oh, that's right. You know, before that, it was always, you know, whether it's the Roman Empire or, you know. Well, you know, the Civil War. Anything. I've, I've read a ton of books on and uh, around the Civil War, and we, you know, whatever the battle was, you always had the X factor of the cavalry, you mm-hmm. know, because at that time we didn't have tanks or whatever. You had cavalry, and you'd have Pickett come in or something with his cavalry on the left flank, and the whole thing would – you know, go haywire because the cavalry came out of nowhere. You know, they mm-hmm. flanked us. And so, yeah, no, you're right. It's always the cavalry has it's always been, been that. game changers. Yeah. So yep. now I don't know where that is in the current, you know, drone Do they world. still have a cavalry? Do we still have a cavalry? <sighs> no, cavalry of drones. I don't know. I don't I think so. Let me, let me it, do it, a Google here. You would think so that it, it, it would this be. This is where we need to have Alexa on the program so we could just say, hey, Alexa, do we have a cavalry? She wouldn't know. Siri she, would oh, know. she would know. No, Siri would know. No, Siri's not. Siri's not doing I, it for I, me. Man. I think we might have more. Um, Siri's got a bad attitude. You know, kind of military horse um, that are only kind of for show. You know, just like you almost see the 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 police that are around the streets of Houston or Dallas, and they're on horseback, and you're like, "What are you really going to do?" Because that horse has got. Shoes I tell you on what. And- no, I tell you what. I uh, there's a role for that during the. I because I, I I thought the same. I was like, well, you know, what are these guys on horseback? Whatever. When I during the last election cycle, mm-hmm. I've probably told you this story, but Aaron and I went and spent a day. There were multiple presidential candidates in town, in what during one day, and Aaron, I took Aaron out of school that day because he was I interested in politics. Yeah. Went and saw Marco Rubio in Dallas, and we went to a coffee shop along the way. Yeah. Went to Fort Worth and saw Trump. There were mounted police at the Trump rally, oh. and they they were there for a reason. Hmm. Because it was everything you hear about the Trump rallies on TV, that's what it was. Oh. There were protesters. There were, I mean, it was 180 degree opposite of what we saw at the Rubio rally, which was very calm, professionals. This was just like, you know. And there were people on horseback and like, you were you you were like okay, oh no. I mean they were there and you were not going to mess with them, and just the fact that they were on a horse right. made them head and sh- yeah I mean they were above the crowd right, and they were in control man oh well those those yeah. horse, those horses are amazing because I you know even yesterday I was out shooting the bull with my neighbors and we were feeding your my, neighbors that have the gigantic horses they they got rid of one of them oh they did yeah yeah but anyway we were feeding my two mama cows and uh, and. Out of nowhere, those horses came up. All four of my horses came up, and they're such bullies when there's food around. And those cows are gigantic. They're like rhinos. They're so fat. But the four horses came up, and they just ran those cows off like it was nothing. And mm-hmm. I'm talking like my, my two mama cows are like elephants. They're so fat. Yeah. And, of course, the, the two bull calves were gone, but the mama cows were... I'm like, you need to stay in your ground, Alice and Vera, but then here comes oh, no, Scout not. Harper. A, hor- a, hor- a horse is going to move a cow any day. That's why... That's that's what they... That's what they're... Our horses all come from a lineage of horses that were bred to do that. Yeah. Well, you know, they, the cowboys back in the day, they herded the cattle up the... You know what I mean? Yeah, well, I can see. So if you're, if you're mounted on a horse... 
and you've got a crowd in front of you, I could run right through that crowd and the horse is going to be fine, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, that would cause great mayhem if I'm on a horse and I have a crowd in front. Now, <laughs> anyway, because I'll, I'll bet on the horse every Apparently, time. Apparently, we do still have a cavalry. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. know what they do. Maybe they're just symbolic of a show or... Yeah, I don't, I don't know about that. Now, I did... I was walking to a restaurant. I was in the Woodlands, Texas the other day, and I was walking from the hotel to the restaurant, and there was a female police officer on a mounted horse just walking around. Yeah. It was, like, it was at the mall. There yeah. Was, there was no danger there. Yeah. I'm like, hey, what's up? You know, she's like, oh, I'm just walking around patrolling on my horse. Maybe maybe that's why there's no danger there, because <laughs> she's there on her horse. It's a fairly nice demographic. You're not going to be messing with her. I didn't, and I really want to talk to her because she didn't. Nor did she want to talk to me. I was just going to get my tacos. That's pretty much it. She's like, dude, leave me alone. I'm yeah, just, I, I didn't. I was. I'm just well, on the clock right now. I'm working. Yeah, just leave uh, me no, alone. I was playing Pokemon Go. I was walking around, and getting my tacos, and then all of a sudden, here comes this lady on a giant horse. I'm like, oh, all right. Have you ever ridden your horses in a parade? Uh, Caroline has. Oh, I did once with her. Yeah, yeah. I, wrote, I was on Elvis and she was on Scout, and we rode in one of these Fort Worth parades. Oh, yeah? Yeah. No, That'd be fun. Nice. No, it's nice. I'd love to do that. We've never done it, but I... I, I just don't like all the fun. regalia you have to put on. You have to put all the tassels and all the cowboy gear and all that stuff. And Well, that's right up Caroline's alley. Oh, it's right I'm up sure hers and decorate that. the horse, all the little paint and the glitter and all that. But I don't really look good <laughs> in that with the tassels coming off no, and the don't. rhinestone boots. <laughs> You're a rhinestone cowboy. No, no, I'm not. At some point, we'll have to talk about what I consider the beautiful people. That's coming up. And uh, and these are the pointy-toed steel boots and the full-length fur coats on men I'm not talking about. Those are the beautiful people. We've got those in Texas. I'll tell you that right now. I think now. I may have seen some of the Von Erichs wearing that. Oh, the full-length fur coats. I don't know. I'm speaking that up. I don't know either. It's a throwback to one of our previous episodes. Uh, yeah. A good one. Hey, so uh, I appreciate y'all listening to us uh, about uh, the horse warriors. In my mind, that is a couple of legendary groups of the Comanche Indians and uh, the Texas Rangers. So you'll hear us refer back to the Texas Rangers from time to time uh, because they've had a long, a long and uh, proud history and uh, certainly proud of that group here in Texas. So any final thoughts, Kevin? Yeah, this was a good one. I okay. enjoyed the Indian horse talk. Yeah. It's always good stuff. Very Texan. Well, it's a very Texas thing to talk about. Anytime I just get to kind of free flow through random thoughts of Genghis Khan all the way to the Texas <laughs> Ranger, I love theories like that. Connected a few dots there. I'm sure. trying. I'm trying. <laughs> okay. Well, hey, thank you all for listening to, uh, to this episode, and uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. Make sure to find us, like us, subscribe to us. And write a review. Yeah. That's right. Thanks. All right. Take care. Goodbye.